0: This episode of the Rhino Wrestling Review is brought to you by our good friends over at Podcorn.com. Not Popcorn, Podcorn, P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com. As a burgeoning podcast here, sometimes it's hard to know how to take the next step in actually securing sponsorships and trying to monetize your podcast and take it to the next level. But Podcorn makes it easy as pie. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as hosts read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Click the link in the show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities at Podcorn.com. Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Are you ready? Yes, it's the Rolo. Yes. I just want the paper. Uh-huh. I done came down so clean. Uh-huh. I'm shining uh-huh. on I'm the, the haters. And none better than me. Uh-huh. Hey, and he knows 40 I just wanna paper uh-huh. I did came down so clean uh, I'm shining on, on the hate of none better than me uh-huh. Paint and he uh-huh. degrees. Look out, Look out Rhino. Rhino. I just wanna paper uh-huh. I came down so clean uh-huh. I'm shining on oh the, the hate Ain't none better than me uh-huh. paint quell than and he uh-huh. knows Rhino! Hell, that a thrill? The veteran Rhino came in! In the grill, for real, this year, I take no... The veteran Rhino came in! Uh-huh. For real, we both, yeah. Rhino! Rhino Wrestling Review back once again. I am your host, Dan Rhino. Brought to you by our friends, as always, at ProWrestling.com. And also this week, brought to you by our friends at Podcorn.com. If you are a podcast looking for sponsorships to take your podcast to the next level, check out podcorn.com. They make it very easy for you to uh, submit your pitches. You can submit audio pitches. You can submit your podcast numbers. You can submit, submit uh, writ- written pitches. And there is a, a variety of other podcasts and a variety of products out there that are looking to advertise with you. So if you are uh, interested in anything like that, if you've got a podcast that you want to start monetizing, check out podcorn.com and uh, we thank them for sponsoring this edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review. I'm flying solo this week, but there's still a lot to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. Segment one here, we're going to talk about NXT Portland coming up this weekend. Normally on a Saturday, sometimes even WrestleMania weekend, they've done it on Fridays before. But Sunday spotlight on a holiday weekend for the yellow brand of w- under the uh, WWE umbrella. As we talk about NXT Portland, we'll give you the shape-up of the cards, storylines leading up to it. And I'll make my picks, which will inevitably be 90% incorrect. So don't use this for any gambling purposes. This is for entertainment purposes only. In segment two, we got some interesting emails got some emails about NXT. We got some emails about Goldberg. We got some emails about MJF and Cody on Dynamite from a couple weeks ago. We got some emails about that weird Becky Lynch, Shayna Baszler segment on Raw (laughs) this past week. We're going to kind of cover the uh, gamut of wrestling topics in segment two with your emails, which you can always send us at rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com. Or tweet us at Rhino underscore Wrestling. But let's talk about NXT Portland this Sunday. Like I said, Sunday spotlight on the WWE Network. Card is shaping up nicely. I have to disagree with my co-host Jason Calcibetta, who told me earlier this week this card was just going to be good wrestling matches with no storyline. I think it's a common misconception about NXT that is sometimes true. That they rely very heavily on the in ring product and sometimes kind of steer away from the entertainment aspects of pro wrestling. But not in this case. I think the majority of the matches either have, all the matches actually, either have a compelling storyline that has led them to Portland or they have titles on the line because a number one contender emerged by qualifying for that match. So nothing is thrown together. On this card, uh, this Sunday out out of Portland. Let's talk about the first match I got on my list here: Dakota Kai taking on Tegan Knox in a street fight. This match buildup goes back months to when the two were best friends. Unfortunately, War Games came along, and Rhea Ripley chose Knox for the team over Dakota Kai. Knox didn't come to Dakota's defense, I guess and Dakota took it personally and at War Games it was Dakota Kai who would secretly attack Mia Yim, eliminating Yim from uh, the possibility of competing in that War Games match and Dakota was actually granted Mia's spot on the team but this was Kai's opportunity to turn on Tegan Knox. she re-injured that surgically repaired knee that's already gone out twice on Tegan and there's been a lot of back and forth attacks between the two and the build was going along I thought Pretty well. I was really enjoying the uh, blood feud between these two. But a couple weeks back, Tegan Knox got a victory over Dakota Kai with the help of Candice LeRae and a shot from a bulky knee brace and just a regular rules match on NXT. And I gotta say, man, the match wasn't great. It it just didn't really. Maybe it's just because it was a regular rules match. It didn't feel like it had the intensity. It didn't feel like it had the emotion that it should have had. Didn't really knock my socks off. So maybe the street fight aspect we can get a true culmination of what's supposed to be an inta- intensely personal feud. And you know WWE loves their 50-50 booking, so with Tegan Knox winning a couple weeks ago, I'm going to go with Dakota Kai to pick up the win, maybe taking advantage of a momentary feeling of remorse on Tegan Knox's part. Maybe Tegan Knox will be ready to uh, drop the hammer on uh, Dakota Kai, and Dakota pleads with her and remember our friendship and maybe Dakota Kai takes advantage of that maybe Tegan Knox just goes through goes through on it and says that we can never be friends again I don't know but maybe taking advantage of a like I said a momentary feeling of remorse on Tegan Knox's part similar to what we've seen in the past with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa so I have I think Dakota's going to win I think Dakota's going to continue her heel run with a different dance partner I think this is going to be, this could potentially be a situation where these two keep coming back to each other over time. And then maybe eventually Dakota Guy turns turns back babyface and we have a babyface run where the two are reunited. But from the, the sound of it and from the looks of it, it seems like this is going to be a, an ongoing thing. But I'm kind of hoping that this is the culmination of the, this portion of the feud and then uh, they can kind of step away with some other dance partners for a little while. Finn Balor taking on Johnny Gargano. This one's been brewing since NXT's move to USA last year. Finn Balor returned to NXT after a mixed level of success on the main roster. First Universal Champion, but only held it for a day, even less than 24 hours. Intercontinental title run, kind of underwhelming. Uh good triple threat match at Wrestlemania. Uh, According to Johnny Gargano, Finn Bauer wrestled Bobby Lashley 37 times or 47 times or whatever he said. So it was a mixed bag and I'm glad Finn is back on the uh, yellow brand. And Finn quickly turned heel, Pele kicking Gargano and then dropping him on his head on the ramp. And Gargano was out with a legitimate injury for a little while. And Ever since Gargano's return, he's been tar- targeting Finn ever since coming back. But man, I've got a bad feeling about this one for Johnny Gargano. The, the man who seemingly never wins big matches, other than the one time he won the NXT title from uh, Adam Cole, baby, at uh, one of the takeovers. I'd, I'd really like to see what Johnny's takeover record is. Because he he always seems to be the guy that puts on a great match, kicks out of you know 87 near counts, but doesn't win. And Johnny Gargano is going against a guy who has a ton of heel momentum behind him, and Finn Balor. And I think that it sucks because I think Gargano really needs to win this match more than Finn. I don't think Finn losing this match hurts Finn at all. I think Gargano losing this match does. But I just don't see Johnny getting the win here. And that stinks because Gargano, at, as the heart of NXT, and that speech he gave where he said, I'm not going anywhere, that's not a gimmick for him. It's real. But the, the four and five star matches where he kicks out of everything but the final death blow is kind of making the lovable loser thing turn it into a negative stigma. And I really feel bad about that for, for Johnny Gargano. So I would love to see Gargano win. I think it would be better for the duo if he did win. Especially given the fact that storyline-wise, Finn Balor put him out for so long. And Johnny Gargano, as the returning hero, the the face of NXT, comes back and takes out the newly evil evil. Uh, I just made. I just combined heel and evil. The newly evil <laughs> Finn Balor, I think would would work out best for the two. But I just don't see it happen. I see Finn going over here. Uh, there's some speculation online that there's there uh, there are six matches on this card rather than the normal five because some folks online are thinking that one of these matches is going to be a squash and that it's going to go very quick. Uh, some people are think that this could be that squash match. I really hope that doesn't happen. If Gargano is going to lose, I hope he just does it in the regular Johnny Gargano way where he looks like a million bucks coming out of it. But uh, I don't see good things for, for Johnny Gargano on Sunday. I think Finn's going over. Keith Lee defending his North American title against Dominic Dijakovic. I know we've seen it before. And I know some people are k- kind of groaning... About having to see this match again. But in my opinion. It's not a situation where you have to see this match again. It's a situation where you get to see this matchup again. And this time it's different. Than the other times we've seen it. This time it's on a takeover. It's the first time these two have squared off on a takeover. This time it's for a title. It's the first time these two have squared off for a title. Dijakovic uh, beat Damian Priest on NXT to earn this shot. So there is a chance that Priest could get involved and cost. Uh, Dijakovic the match Or just cause a no contest But in the spirit Of making a clear pick These two guys who Have magic together in the ring I'm going to go with Keith Lee Just because he's had the upper hand In the last couple meetings between the two And Keith Lee's had big moments At Survivor Series He's had big moments at the Royal Rumble He had big moment when he won The North American title and i think it's too soon for him to to drop that title. i think they got big things on the horizon for Keith Lee. And i mean if Dijakovic loses, is he in really in any different situation than he was before? It's kind of done a lot already on NXT and i kind of don't know where they go with from him uh, hit with him from here, you know, putting the north american title on him after Keith Lee had just won it. i don't know if that really does anything unless Dijakovic is going full heel Uh, but I'm going to give it to Keith Lee just because I think they're going to put on a show and I think uh, Keith Lee is going to come out on top and retain that title tough one to pick next as the Undisputed Era defends their NXT tag titles against Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, the broserweights if you will Riddle and Dunne coming off winning that dusty cup to earn this title shot I got to tell you I just love the odd couple dynamic between Riddle and Dunn. You know what's coming. You know it's destined for them to one and turning on the other sometime. I'm hoping it's later rather than sooner because I'm really enjoying the ride while we're getting it here. The Riddle and Dunn vignettes this past week on NXT very entertaining. I love like I said the the odd couple Comedic chemistry between the two to go along with the ass-kicking in the ring. I think creative has stumbled across something golden with these two. Because I think the reason that they put them together was to break them apart and to have a, a feud built in. But I think that sometimes when you put random partners together, I kind of think of the Hollywood Blondes with Steve Austin and Brian Pillman who didn't really have... A lot going on at the time, Didn't re- weren't really looking to be in a tag team together, but kind of got thrown together and just rose up the ranks as a tag team and then didn't want to get split up. And then, of course, creative did split them up. Uh, I think of Daniel Bryan and Kane. No more odd couple than that, but they're still doing things as Team Hell No today. Years and years and years after Team Hell No uh, was first together and then broke up and then got back together and then broke up. I think there's a, a similar thing there with Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. So this one's like I said is a t- is is a tough one to pick because I think that creative accidentally stumbling along some gold here may keep Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle together a little longer than originally planned. And then I think you also got to factor, factor in, there's a lot of rumors going around that the Undisputed Era could be pegged for a run on either Raw or SmackDown. Maybe around that time right after WrestleMania where we start shaking things up. If that's the case, and they've already taken that North American title off of Roderick Strong could we start to see the other members of Undisputed Era kind of relinquishing those titles uh, to other superstars in preparation of that move to the main roster? If that's the case, man, we could see O'Reilly and Fish drop these titles on Sunday. You know, or we could see the total opposite. We could see the first sign of dissension between Riddle and Dunn causing them to lose the match and start that feud sooner than, than I would want to happen. But it could, it could easily happen on Sunday. But Riddle and Dunn have have not had any bumps in the road yet. So I guess we could see the first sign of that on Sunday. And maybe they try to get get another shot at the Undisputed Era on an upcoming NXT and they kind of regroup. But I would love to see Riddle and Dunn go over here, have a little run with the tag belts, see some more of these vignettes and see what creatively we could come up with here because I think the vignettes are adding something to Pete Dunne's character I think they're adding something to Matt Riddle's character other than just the, the stoner guy I think they're showing a a good sense of timing for both of them and then a good sense of chemistry between both of them together so I'm going to go with the broserweights on Sunday to take, the, take home those uh, NXT tag titles I think it's worth a shot giving these guys a run together. Could end up being, like I said, a, a Kane and Daniel Bryan dynamic where they break up, feud, get to get back together, rinse, repeat just because of their chemistry. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the run of the Undisputed Era as tag champs is going to come to an end on Sunday. Next up, we got NXT women's title on the line. Rhea Ripley defending against Bianca Belair. Bianca with that awesome long run and the Royal Rumble coming out at number two and last almost to the end. Followed by winning that Battle Royal on NXT to secure this title shot against Rhea Ripley at NXT TakeOver Portland on Sunday. So, the only thing that that is weird about this timeline is the fact that Charlotte, after winning the Royal Rumble last month, has yet to pick her WrestleMania opponent. It seems like Becky Lynch is going to be preoccupied with Shayna Baszler, which we'll talk about in our email segment. Charlotte and Bayley doesn't really seem to move the needle. Nobody and Bayley right now really seems to move the needle. So people logically are angling for Charlotte to take on Rhea Ripley and challenge for that NXT title at WrestleMania. If that's the case, then the timing of this match is very odd and the timing of this match is very unfortunate for Bianca Belair because it's a foregone conclusion that Bianca has no shot on Sunday. But there was a moment on NXT last week where Charlotte showed up to confront Rhea, kind of pushing Bianca away as as lesser than or as as a bystander, only to have Rhea and Bianca team up to take Charlotte out. So does that mean that Charlotte is showing up on Sunday to get involved in the match? Are we going to see a situation where Charlotte lays both ladies out, causing a no contest, maybe setting up a triple threat match at WrestleMania? I just don't know why Bianca would have the Royal Rumble run that she did, then the Battle Royal win, then getting over on Charlotte with the help of Rhea on on NXT. To go through all that just to lose on Sunday doesn't make a lot of sense. But there's no way Rhea's losing that title that they just put on her. The rocket ship's already taken off, and there's no signs of aborting the Ripley mission right now. So I'm going to go with Rhea, but I'm anticipating some flair antics along the way. But I think that, I—it's I, like I said, it's weird timing, but I think it's interesting in the fact that we could see, with a lot of these matches, not just with this one, we could see a lot of potential outcomes and we could see a lot of potential ways that these matches can work their ways to a finish. But I do anticipate some Charlotte Flair uh, shenanigans along the way, but you got to have Ripley walking out with this title on Sunday, don't you? It would make no sense to put the title on Bianca right now when we're what, a little over a month away from WrestleMania. So, that takes us to what could easily be the match of the night. Adam Cole defended his NXT title against a man who never lost it in the first place, Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa's last title reign was cut short due to a severe neck injury, and now he wants Goldie back. And again, I am super torn on my pick for this one, because there's the aforementioned rumors of Cole and the Undisputed Era Boys heading to the main roster in the near future. So this could be a Bobby Roode situation where Bobby Roode was in, a, in the middle of a very good title run on NXT. I didn't see Bobby Roode losing to Drew McIntyre, but Bobby loses to Drew McIntyre. And then I'm thinking, OK, well, Bobby's going to challenge for it again. And next thing you know, Bobby Roode's showing up on SmackDown. And now Bobby Roode is uh, teaming up with Dolph Ziggler to fight the Usos for the last 52 weeks. So it could be a Bobby Roode situation where a good run, and in this case, Adam Cole's had a, a an excellent run, maybe even a legendary run with that NXT title, where a good run is halted for a main roster call up in the very near future, and you know you put the belt back on Champa, the belt that he was never defeated for. Who's going to argue with that? So part of me thinks now is the time to put the belt back on Champa so he can finish his original championship run while he's still healthy. But man, given Champa's injury history, it seems like every week, even not just NXT TV, after NXT TV shows, but after NXT house shows, we get some kind of report from a website or from a fan attending shows that there's a possibility that Ciampa could be injured again. <laughs> it seems like every week we get news that Tommaso Ciampa potentially injured at live event in Greensboro, South Carolina. So I don't know, man. Given his injury history, are they going to want to put the title back on him? We've seen that with wrestlers before. We saw it with Dolph Ziggler. Once he got cashed in that money in the bank, got that title run got the concussion never to, to be a world champion again, they didn't trust him same thing with Finn Balor, put the universal title on him, he gets hurt in the actual match that he wins the title holds the title for 24 hours never to be a world champion again it's, it's very disconcerting it's very upsetting but on the other hand, from a business aspect, you kind of understand where WWE, and by extension of that NXT, thinks about things like that. Would they want to put the title on Champa just to have him vacated again? Now, when he vacated that last title, we got some good stuff out of it. We got the Gargano-Cold uh, trilogy of matches. We got Johnny Gargano finally winning the NXT title. And we got this legendary run by Adam Cole. But I just don't see TakeOver Portland as a big enough show to do a big title switch like this. I think WrestleMania's weekend is where it's more likely to happen. So I'm going to go with Adam Cole, baby, for the win on Sunday. There is a possibility that the recently returned Velveteen Dream could continue his vendetta against the Undisputed Era and get involved in this match in some way. But it seems like Dream is more focused on Roderick Strong and Roderick's... Uh, wife and kid right now, (laughs) putting Marina Shafir and uh, their child on his uh, trunks recently. So there's a chance that Dream could get involved, but I'm just going to go with Cole, and maybe this sets up uh, a Champa's last chance match, kind of similar to what Cody had with Jericho, where if Cody lost the match, then he can never challenge for the world title again maybe they'll do a similar thing with Champa Wrestlemania weekend where Champa gets one more shot at Adam Cole and maybe that's where Champa regains the title on a bigger stage and then maybe Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era are off to Raw or Smackdown it's going to be interesting either way so that's my breakdown of NXT Takeover Portland should be an excellent card as usual these takeovers never disappoint and the thing I love about it there's lots of coin flip matches this car lots of stuff that's tough to pick and i think that's what makes it great when there's some mystery to the outcomes when there's some intrigue it makes wrestling a whole lot more fun but i digress ladies and gentlemen let's take a quick break we'll come back with our final segment your emails talking goldberg talking mjf talking cody talking shana baszler as a vampire talking everything that you guys send our way. It's the Rhino Wrestling Review brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com and this week brought to you by our friends at Podcorn.com Check them out uh, for all of your potential advertising and sponsorship needs for your burgeoning and growing podcast. I'm Dan Rhino. I'll be right back. Segment here on the Rhino Wrestling Review I'm your host Dan Rhino Brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com Always and this week also brought to you by our friends At Podcorn.com If you have a podcast that has Gone from a passion project To something that you would like to try to monetize With some sponsorships Sometimes that's hard to do but Podcorn makes it Easy you can go to Podcorn.com It's easy to Upload your uh, Podcast uh, RSS feed It's easy to uh, find potential sponsors, it's easy to submit your pitches, and uh, it's working for me, and it's working on uh, my other podcasts too. So uh, try it out, podcorn.com, I highly recommend it. Uh, we're going to get in some emails here, run through a potpourri of topics with you fine folks, and you can always send us those emails, wrestlingreview at gmail.com. And on Twitter, at Rhino underscore Wrestling. Feel free to interact with us there as well. We'll give you a shout out on the air. The first email comes from Professor Johnson. Professor of what? I do not know. But Professor Johnson writes, Is it time for NXT to start taking their weekly show on the road? It seems like the crowd is starting to be a little stagnant. Uh, Mr. Johnson, I'm sorry, Professor Johnson. It's an easy yes for me. To say that it's time for NXT to start taking their weekly show on the road. I think they've grown out of full, full sale. And when you watch Dynamite versus NXT on Wednesday nights. The main thing that sticks out for me. Difference wise between the two is the crowds. That Dynamite crowd is way more fired up than the folks at Full sale. And it's not a knock at the Full sale crowd. Because how do you expect 500 people to compete with 5,000 fans? Another thing about the Full sale fans. A lot of them are regular regulars. Which can whether on purpose or not create an air of comfortability, if that's even a word. Maybe I should ask Professor Johnson, if he's a professor of linguistics, maybe he can tell me if comfortability is really a word. These AEW fans though, they've been waiting for AEW to come to their town. It's not they're not having it in the same town every week, like the old impact zone where you would see the same crowds or the same fans, and then you would see fans that were just there just to get out of the heat in Orlando. These AEW fans have been waiting for AEW to come to their town. They've been clamoring to see people like Kenny Omega live. Because if you go back the last few years and I saw Kenny Omega at a Ring of Honor show Before Kenny Omega really was the Kenny Omega that we know today The best match machine I saw Kenny Omega at a Ring of Honor I think back in 2009 Didn't even know what I was seeing at the time But ever since then Kenny Omega has become one of the top wrestlers on the planet And he's done it over in Japan And most of the time that we've seen him over the last few years outside of random shows i know honor wars did the shows here in the midwest that i think uh, kenny omega was on a a couple years ago i think he did some of the stuff with the new japan shows on the west coast in california within the last couple years that might have even been where he won the uh, new japan united states title but the kenny omega united states appearances and some of the other wrestlers on on the AEW roster are hard to come by. So that being a rarity in the States for, for people to see people like Kenny Omega live, when AEW comes to town, it's a fresh crowd. It's a fired up crowd. It's roughly 10 times as big as NXT, sometimes more. And it's a different presentation. You got the pyro. You've got wrestlers coming down through the audience. You got wrestlers fighting up through the audience. You got Jericho in the inner circle showing up in press boxes and whatnot. And there are there's none of those things that at Full sale that can replicate the arena feel. And it doesn't even have to be a big 16,000-seat arena. I think when AEW is coming through here to St. Louis in a couple months, they're working the Chaffetz Arena, which is on the campus of St. Louis University, where my hashtag Billikins basketball team play. Go, Billikins, And that thing seats, you know, 10,000 tops. And that's with the... All the bowls, and that's with uh, the f- full circle of the arena. They're going to have part of that arena blocked off for the entrance uh, setup and the backstage area. So you got to figure that they ought to be able to to pack that place and still do a really good presentation of maybe like seven or eight thousand people, and they're probably going to sell it out. But with with full sale, I, like I said, I think NXT's just outgrown it. So, yes, Professor, it would do NXT good to get on the road, see some different venues, see some different towns. Because just look at the, how those crowds react to the, the NXT takeovers. I, I went to my first NXT takeover in November, and it was amazing. Got some of the biggest pops I had ever heard live, especially when Kevin Owens came out as a surprise entrant in that War Games match. So, I'm not saying you're going to get 16,000 fans for a weekly NXT show. That's just unrealistic. But I bet you can get half that. I bet you can get seven, eight thousand. Uh, especially if you work those smaller arenas, uh, those arenas where you can get better deals on the venues. You know, when you go to arenas like Madison Square Garden and you go to some of the arenas in Las Vegas, it's very hard to make money just because of what they're charging for rent. But if you go to those smaller arenas, some of those small arenas that they're building now are just outstanding. That Chaffetz Arena in St. Louis here. I know I keep coming back to my hashtag billikins but that Chaffetz Arena here in St. Louis is just a gorgeous building, and a lot of times it's just sitting there because uh, if it's not basketball season, they have concerts in there and things like that. But uh, my alma mater, Lindenwood University, has a, a theater that they built using my uh, <laughs> tuition money Yet they keep asking me for money every year They keep asking me to give more money I'm just like, look guys, I gave you plenty of money As soon as I left, you fixed up the dorms You fixed up the football field You fixed up the athletic center You built that theater You got big names coming to that theater These new buildings that, that, are, that are going up Even the small buildings, the small theaters, the small arenas They are gorgeous They are state of the art and a lot of times they're better than the 16 to 20,000 seat arenas because they're, they're more technologically advanced. They're newer. They are more comfortable. They, and the rent is better. So I think NXT can... I know that it makes financial sense to stay at Full sale, but I think if you want to stay competitive on Wednesday and take that rant to the next level, you've got to take it on the road. I think the presentation that they could do if they take it on the road makes NXT look more legitimate, looks, makes them look more important, and I think it makes it look uh, more competitive as compared to AEW on Wednesday nights. Next email comes from Chris in Philly. Chris writes, how do you see the Goldberg-Fiend match shaking out at Super Showdown? Is there enough on the card to make the show worthwhile? Well, Chris, thanks for the email. Uh, but breaking news right now, uh, coming into my headset here, is telling me that Goldberg versus The Fiend is the early frontrunner for Rhino Wrestling Review's Worst Match of the Year Award. Interesting. Hasn't even taken place yet. So, we talk about, first of all, the bait and switch of WWE announcing Goldberg for SmackDown last week and then having him appear via satellite. That was the biggest load of horseshit. Just awful booking by WWE. Shame on you. Secondly, The Fiend has really only had chemistry with one wrestler, and that's Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryant is one of the top in ring generals on the planet. He is one of the the in ring leaders of all leaders of the last couple of decades. And none of the Fiends' other matches have been good. Some of them have been barely even acceptable, and some have been just downright awful. So, do you expect to see anything good out of Goldberg versus the Fiend? I don't. The Fiends, what we're probably going to see is the Fiend's probably going to be the first person, to my knowledge, to kick out of the spear and the jackhammer. Maybe I'm wrong. Tweet me, rhino, at rhino underscore wrestling, at Dan rhino, rhino wrestling review at gmail.com. Tell me that I'm wrong. Or maybe the Fiend will get speared and while Goldberg's posing for the crowd, he'll just immediately get up. Either way, I'm just not feeling it. This match has the potential to be a disaster. And the rest of the Saudi card is suspect at best as well. We get another made-up, meaningless trophy given away. Those are always great. Those always work out well. I don't even remember what what this one is called, but we got a bunch of singles competitors going after another trophy. Yay! We get another Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns match. For the love of God, please stop with this. Stop making King Corbin try to be a thing. Stop making the, the feud try to be a thing. Stop making dog food-based storylines. I thought this was over. Why do we need to see it again? Lesnar ain't losing to Ricochet on the road to WrestleMania, so that's just a filler match there. Ricochet will get like 30 seconds offense in and then get squashed, and Brock will hop on his private plane and head back to the States with probably a million bucks in his pocket. I just hate the Saudi shows, man, and it's not for political reasons. Though there's plenty of argument that, that could be made there as well. But we're not going to get into the political reasons for the Saudi shows. I just hate that we have to shoehorn in meaningless matches and meaningless cards with the biggest pay-per-view of the year on the horizon. And then you've got to talk to us like this is big. these cards are as big or bigger than WrestleMania. Do not feed me that. I just hate that we have to shoehorn in this crap. With the biggest pay-per-view of the year on the horizon, just because we have to kowtow to the Saudi royal family because of how much money they're given. It's ridiculous. It's all And it's all about the money. We know it's a business. Of course it's all about the money. But at some point, when is too much money? When is so much money that you have to sacrifice the product, that you have to sacrifice the art? Of what is professional wrestling. And I think these Saudi shows are just meaningless. They are worthless. Uh, other than affecting the bottom dollar. And we know with WWE. As as with most companies. I can't say it's just WWE. But it is all about the bottom dollar. And the majority of. Their big profits that they made. We, we heard on the uh, Q4 conference call. A big chunk of that. Was those Saudi payments coming in. Where is this company at without those Saudi payments? I don't know where the stock would be without those Saudi payments. So it's not going to stop. We're going to keep getting bald Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement. We're going to get debacles like Goldberg against The Undertaker. We're going to get Goldberg against The Fiend. Who the hell knows? Maybe they'll turn the bottom half of Hulk Hogan into a cyborg and have him going out there, what you gonna do brother at the Saudi shows uh, in the near future, who the, who the hell knows, who the hell knows next email comes from Ace of Clubs and Ace writes, the MJF Cody segment from Dynamite was the most compelling wrestling television I've seen in years I had so many emotions during the segment rooting for Cody, to feeling uncomfortable to wanting it to stop, to wanting to jump through the TV to punch MJF but a lot of people flat out hated the segment, where do you land? Uh, I am totally on board with your rainbow of emotions, Ace. Uh, MJF whipping the holy hell out of Cody Rhodes was definitely memorable television, whether you liked it or hated it. Uh, This was one of the stipulations MJF gave Cody in order for the two to square off later this month at Revolution. Cody can't put his hands on MJF until February 29th. Cody has to take on Wardlow in a steel cage on Dynamite coming up, and Cody had to take 10 lashes from a leather belt, courtesy of MJF. For me, MJF sometimes can be a bit much. I think sometimes he kind of goes for the low-hanging fruit with his insults. Like, I'm going to bang your wife, or I'm going to do this to your mom. Uh, you know, making fun of Cody Rhodes' uh, slur, or a stutter, or whatever it was he made fun of. And by going for low-hanging fruit, it's not a pun for kicking Cody in the junk, like he did after the lashes, by the way. But... For some, for sometimes, uh, like I said, for sometimes uh, MJF can be a little bit much for me. But Ace is right about the presentation and the roller coaster of emotions we felt on that segment. From the heels coming out just to watch from the top of the ramp because they knew it was a big moment, to so Arn Anderson trying to coach. Cody through the pain, almost like a like a cornerman in an MMA or a boxing fight. The Bucks coming out to support their friends, knowing they couldn't do anything about it. Brandy Rhodes crying and acting kind of normal the last two weeks, which makes me think is this nightmare collective thing not a thing anymore? Is Brandy not collecting people's hair anymore? Because she's been actually kind of normal the last two weeks. Uh, Dustin coming out to offer to take some of Cody's lashes. There were a lot of moving pieces in this, and it had the it had the potential for being overbooked and I think it might have been a tad overbooked and maybe when I first watched it I said maybe it went on a little bit too long but Overall, it was, it was darn near perfect. I thought it was tremendous. It made Cody look like even more of a badass. MJF is getting the most nuclear of nuclear heat. Wardlow is one of the best heaters in recent pro wrestling history. And it's long-term storytelling leading up to the February 29th show. Old school mentality, old school build, old school storytelling, old school outrage from the crowd. Remember those stories that the old timers tell about getting, you know, worried about getting shanked in the crowd, worried about uh, not making it out of the building alive because the fans are so outraged. And then when the curtain was kind of pulled back on pro wrestling, a lot of that stuff went away. But this is old school outrage from the crowd. But other people, uh, pundits and fans and otherwise, some people were not uh, outraged in a heelish way toward MJF. They were outraged in a different way. I thought the segment was like old school wrestling at its worst. Uh, some folks, like our buddy Ross Berman, who's a regular contributor to ProWrestling.com, didn't like it at all. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at W. Berman, the fourth. That's R-O-S-S-W-B-E-R-M-A-N-I-V for his thoughts on it. So I'm not going to read you word for word what he said, but. His thought that it was very resemblant of the Passion of the Christ with the uh, beating of Jesus and the whipping of Jesus and the fact that Cody is Jewish made it even more of an archaic feeling and kind of presented it to the point where, you know, uh, MJF was only almost coming off as like anti-Semitic. Um, I'm not sure if I, I really agree with that, you know. and I, of course I respect Mr. Berman's opinion. I, I really enjoy all, all of his work, and I really enjoy the uh, interactions we've had on Twitter as well, but I know a lot of people agree with that. A lot of people feel the same way. To me, though, I thought it was, it was very well done, if maybe a little too overbooked, maybe a, a little bit went on just a little bit too long, but it's really... Long-term storytelling, it's really setting up the blood feud between these two. And I can't wait for February 29th, man. Can't can't wait for, you know, we tune in to see the heels get their ass kicked. You know, But people tune in, uh, you know, to see Mike Tyson fight because they wanted to see, you know, who could take down the beast. And MJF in a pro wrestling heel form has become quite the beast in AEW, and I'm looking forward to see him get his come-up. It's February 29th. And our final email here comes from Paul, Hall of Famer, here in St. Louis. Paul writes, I think WWE totally blew the Shayna Baszler debut on Raw. I feel like they killed her before her first big WrestleMania feud, but I didn't see any garlic or holy water around, so maybe she can't be killed. And that's why Paul is a Hall of Famer. In case you missed it on Raw, Shayna Baszler bit Becky Lynch on the neck and then posed with blood dripping out of her mouth. The attack took place after Becky had defeated Asuka in a really good match. was celebrating her victory when Shayna entered the ring and struck Becky from behind. She locked in the Kirafuta clutch and she threw Becky Lynch's limp body to the mat face first. Great! End scene! Fade to black. Shayna looks like a badass, yet she's still a heel because she attacked from behind. We've got the only one to ever defeat Ronda Rousey in a ring against Ronda's training partner and fellow legitimate MMA fighter. And then Shayna took a chunk out of the back of Becky's neck. Becky's screaming. Shayna comes up with a mouthful of blood, looking like she's an extra from The Walking Dead. What the hell is going on? It was a lot to take in and a very weird way to start off the feud on the way to WrestleMania with the assumed match that we're gonna get between these two and I know there's some history between the two already so I know this is really isn't really the start of the feud because Shayna won that three-way at Survivor Series and Becky put Shayna through a table afterwards but why is Shayna the legitimate dominant badass ultimate fighter biting someone It's not like she was doing it as a way of escaping a submission move or getting out of a pinfall. She just took a chunk out of Becky just for the sake of being an evil bitch. It just really reduces all the credibility that Shayna's built up over the last few years. It's just really frustrating. It just reduces her to just a blood-sucking gimmick. And I tell you what, I got really, really nervous when Jerry, Jerry Lawler called Shayna a vampire. Because you know how WWE always has to gimmick up everyone when they come to the main roster. And my first thought is they're going to make her a freaking vampire and Gangrel is going to be her manager. Fuck my life. That was the first thing that came to my mind. But if we're starting off with a biting angle. Doesn't that mean that we're going to have to revisit that in the weeks leading up to Mania with this feud? If this is the basis of it, this is the foundation that you're laying. Is Shayna going to start biting her other opponents after she defeats them? Or is she going to get herself DQ'd for biting other people? Is Becky going to bite her back at some point and have a mouthful of blood herself? I just think Creative has booked themselves into a corner with this biting angle. And I'm not sure I'm going to like where it's going. Can you imagine if Shana would have just pounded on Becky's face until she bloodied her or smashed her face into the mat until the same thing happened? Wouldn't that have been badass? Instead, I guess she's a vampire now, and this feud has a really weird start with an odd... How can we one-up this component? that's going to be tough to maintain what do you do after you take a bite out of somebody's neck how do you one-up that you can't just have a wrestling match you can't just say i'm going to pin you one two three wwe's in a weird spot here man i don't know what they're doing i'm sure they've got a plan i don't know if it's a good one maybe i'll be pleasantly surprised it's happened before i guess we'll just wait and see and I think that's going to do it for me here on the Rhino Wrestling Review this week. Thanks to everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. If you think we've earned it, leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you're listening on ProWrestling.com, we really appreciate it. We really thank ProWrestling.com for giving us that outlet to put on this show for you every week or so. And thanks again to our sponsor for this week's show, Podcorn.com. If you've got a podcast of your own and you're looking to... Uh, get together some sponsorships and start to monetize that passion project that you've been doing, check out podcorn.com. They make it very, very easy for you to do that. While you're at prowrestling.com, check out our buddy Doug E. Wrestling and the STF Underground podcast on there. They drop every week. Him and Fox and Orion and Mr. Main Event do a great job on their podcast, which is also available on all podcast platforms. So after you listen on ProWrestling.com, slide on over to your favorite podcast platform and give them a uh, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button for them as well. Then you can get this shit show and then you get some good podcast stuff from our, our buddies over at STF Underground. So uh, thanks everybody again for checking out the show. I'll be back next week. Until then, don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya. Hey, it's on to the watch. Into the O uh-huh. On a block like a tortoise with a slow, okay. on the slow On a block like a baker Cause I'm picking up my dough And when I'm in the booth like I'm cooking up a O